Hey there, I'm Ashley and I'm a proud mama of two beautiful kiddos, a wife, a health and wellness coach, and a middle and high school shop teacher. Hi, I'm Roberta, mama, wife, educator. I'm an entrepreneur and homeschool mom navigating the work, family, social life balance. Together, we will discuss various topics near and dear to our hearts for teachers and mamas, like routines, health, habits, self-care, and so, so much more. Living a healthy lifestyle is for everyone from young children to adults. Health, wellness, and emotional and social well-being starts at home and should be expanded upon in the classroom. Everyone can benefit from the Teacher Mamas podcast. So if you're ready to learn some helpful tips, let's do this thing. Hello, everyone. I'm super excited to share with you today's episode. In fact, it is a two-part episode. I just absolutely love these series uh, episodes that we do. And this one is um, a two-part series of an interview with an incredible human. Her name is Elizabeth Peterson. She's an arts integration specialist with degrees in education, music, arts, leadership and learning. She's in her 23rd year, 23rd year of teaching and in her 15th year of hosting workshops, retreats and online courses in arts integration and social emotional learning. This topic is huge. This is right up in our community's wheelhouse um, and we were so excited to sit down and chat with her. Like I said, this is a two-part episode. Today, we are going to talk with Elizabeth about art integration, what that means, what it doesn't mean, and creative social-emotional learning. I'm so excited for you all to listen to this. Feel free to uh, make sure to reach out once you have listened and let us know exactly what resonated with you from this episode. Before we dive into our interview... I wanted to start off with letting you know a couple of things, just a couple housekeeping things. The first thing is if you haven't already signed up for our newsletter, I don't know what you're waiting for, go do that. Uh, You can find our newsletter link in the show notes. And right now, when you sign up for our newsletter, you get a special little bonus. So go ahead over and sign up to the newsletter. We also, we know school's starting up again. And When school starts up again, that means a whole new set of morning routines. And we are firm believers that our morning routine starts at night. And that's an interesting concept to start thinking about if you've never thought about it in that way before. And one way we can help you through this as parents, as educators, is to go head on over and buy our dream routine for kids. It is for kids. It's geared that way. But Even if you don't have kids, this procedure can still be super beneficial in thinking about what you need to do for yourself. You just think about yourself instead of your kids. And so um, we walk you through step-by-step how to figure out what needs to be done, what you want to be done, and how to fit it into your schedule and make it work. How to make it work for your family, for your kids. And the big part of this, is without feeling stressed, without feeling rushed to get out the door in the morning. That's huge. And it sets our day up to be much more enjoyable. It sets our day up for success. So 
we are going to be opening the cart up again uh, for our second round, just in time here so that you are ready for school starting up again. Uh, the, the wait list is down below in the show notes. And once it does open, that wait list will take you right to the, the cart, the page. So <laughs> when you sign up for that wait list, you will get an email that will let you know right away when the course is open, when the cart is open. So either way, go down to the wait list for the Dream Routine for Kids, our mini course, and get started right away on creating your dream routine. All right, that's enough housekeeping for today. So we're going to jump on in to episode 46, our interview with Elizabeth Peterson talking about creative social emotional learning. Hello, Elizabeth. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, We are super excited because we pretty much share the same values, it seems like, in everything. (laughs) So we'll just get started right away. And we want to know about your education, your teaching journey. Uh, Why did you want to be a teacher? And what are you currently teaching? And what are you, I know you've got some stuff on the side. So what are you doing? Yeah, lots of stuff. Yeah, Ashley and Roberta, thank you so much for having me on. And yeah, we do jive with (laughs) a lot of stuff. So that's pretty cool. Um, Yeah, so I am currently teaching, um, I say upper elementary because it is uh, usually third and fourth grade. Sometimes I'm looping, sometimes I'm switching grades and I'm heading into my 24th year of teaching. I've been, um, I started as a second grade teacher. I went and taught middle school music for about seven years and then went back to the elementary classroom. And, um, you know, I, I feel like, I feel like my desire to teach really started so early. Um, I, I remember in third grade, just kind of knowing I wanted to be a teacher, you know, I was the, I was the person that went home and, you know, put my stuffed animals all together and I was teaching them song lyrics and (laughs) all kinds of things. And just trying to like, I don't know, just emulate some of the teachers that I really admired. Um, and you know, giving, giving my stuffed animals some, some lessons. (laughs) (laughs) And so, uh, you know, that, that I may have, you know, taken a couple of detours in what I wanted to do. I wanted to be an auto mechanic there for a little bit. And, uh, I toyed around with, um, engineering for a little while, but I just kept coming back to teaching because I just, um, I love the idea of just, you know, teaching someone and having them come away with new information, new knowledge, new skills. And I just thought that was really just so cool. And, you know, I thought kids have so much to offer. Um, it would just be so great to, you know, to inspire them and, and help them along in their journey. Sounds like you should have been a shop teacher like me. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I toyed around with that too a little bit. <laughs> I loved my shop classes in high school, I got to tell you. <laughs> good. Yeah. good, good, good. Yes. I love it. I love hearing females in the shop classes and loving it. It, it makes my heart warm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I actually, I, I remember starting, um, I think it was like my sophomore or junior year and I had a study. And I was like, 
I went to my guidance counselor. I'm like, can I switch my study? I'm like doing nothing. Can I switch my study to the shop? Yeah. He's like, really? I said, yeah. <laughs> and so awesome. it was, it was awesome. Yeah. Loved it. Loved the smell. Love everything about it. Roberta's <laughs> <laughs> the same way. She worked in a shop for a little bit too. Oh, yeah. very cool. Yeah. Oh, I loved it. It was so much fun. And it was the strongest I have ever been because it was a metal shop. So we were carrying big pieces of metal all over the place and huge metal presses. It was impressive. <laughs> um, what did you say you're currently teaching right now? Or so yeah so right now I'm, I'm teaching third grade i've been um in third or fourth grade for like the last oh goodness like 13 years or so um and general ed and i you know when i went into college i knew that i wanted to um teach elementary i tried around to the middle school too but the thing about elementary was i could teach a little bit of everything and that was really important to me um, I also majored in music in college and um, I kind of threw my professors off because I didn't want to be a performance major and I didn't want to be a music <laughs> ed major I just wanted to learn all I could about music and so I was very fortunate my senior year in college um, my professor who kind of like didn't know what to do with me because everyone else was doing their thing um, he, he said, well, what do you want to, what do you want to work on for your senior project? I'm like, I want to see what I can do integrating all this music into the general curriculum of elementary ed. And so he let me do that. And my um, cooperating teachers during student teaching allowed me to kind of just play around with some lessons that I was creating. And it just really um, seeded such a great foundation for um, me ending up to become an arts integration specialist. And then ultimately, um, in the last few years, I've been um, really refining how we can utilize the arts and creativity to teach students social emotional skills, which is so crazy important mm -hmm. <laughs> in the last decade or so. It's just mm -hmm. been such an important thing for us to be able to do. That's great. Yeah. I, I love that you love music too because I played the viola for seven years in middle and high school yeah we'll have it laying around it doesn't get pulled out very often <laughs> <laughs> I hear ya yeah piano is my go-to so my grandmother is a music teacher and so music is pretty special in our household I started piano lessons when I was four nice have never stopped playing it's my go-to de-stressor or it's my favorite thing to do actually when I'm feeling angry. Because <laughs> you can I love really it. play on the piano. Oh, no. um, I love it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But um, there are a few phrases I'm hoping you can define for our listeners. So I'm yeah. hoping you, we can start with that phrase art integration. What does that actually mean? Yeah. So arts integration is when you are taking um, the content that you're teaching and you're teaching standards um, and objectives in that content, so math or ELA or shop, whatever the content objectives are, and you're integrating arts objectives 
as well. And you, and you know, you have to do the work to kind of see what's going to really melt in for it to be true arts integration. You are actually teaching both standards at the same time. And what happens is the students uh, learning just becomes so much more deep and rich and their understanding just becomes so much better because they're integrating those real creative experiences in it as well. And, um, you know, there's, there's a difference between arts integration, there's also, um, you know, teaching through and with the arts, which is not um, frowned upon, but it's, you know, there are different, like, um, very, uh, what's the word I'm trying to think of, different um, variations or, or levels, I should say, of, you know, how you can bring the arts into your classroom. Um, there's also being able to integrate art forms with other art forms. So, you know, as a music teacher, when I was teaching music, I was integrating dance into that. And I was integrating some drama um, concepts into my music lessons as well. Um, and the other real important thing to keep in mind when you do talk about arts integration is that it does not replace arts education. And I think that that can be um, a touchy subject sometimes um, because the two should be working together and certainly not replacing one another because you need the skills, the techniques, um, the theory of the art form and then you can start to really utilize that inside um, other classes and other content areas too, which makes it really, really great learning. So you mentioned um, art standards and I'm just, it, it brought up a thought here, a question. We have the common core standards. Um, mm -hmm. In Minnesota, we don't necessarily use those common core standards. We have our own state standards um, in math and reading, but I'm wondering what you know about the art standards like I, I feel like I remember there's a whole separate thing mm -hmm. for art I, I'm wondering if you can touch on that for a second yeah so there are what's called the national core art standards there are standards for music visual art media um, dance and drama and they um, put them into four basic categories um, creating performing responding and connecting. And so through those um, kind of touch points, they, you, can, you can really dig deep into all the different standards that are, that are touched upon throughout the entire creative process from creation to performance. Um, and, and it just lays the groundwork for all grade levels and, and everything. And it's, it's very, very quite comprehensive. <laughs> and very complete if you go into the um, website for the National Core Arts Standards. Okay, awesome. Yeah. I'll have to yeah. find that and link that in the show notes because I think sure. it's so fun to look at. Um, all right, so um, how do you define creative social, social emotional learning? Sure, so, you know, SEL is so such a hot topic right now. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, a lot of schools and, um, districts and teachers are searching for programs that are going to kind of fit the bill for their needs for social emotional learning, but that doesn't always solve the problem. <laughs> and so my, no, right. And, and, you know, 
and I've experienced this myself, you know, with different programs that are scripted or, you know, you have to set aside a certain amount of time on a certain day and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And so what I've done is created something called SEAL, Social Emotional Artistic Learning. And what that does is it incorporates all the various art forms and the idea of creativity and the creative process and integrates it with the social emotional competencies that we see from Castle. So it's like the uh, self-awareness, self-management, you know, social awareness, re relationship skills, responsible decision-making. And the idea of SEAL is being, being able to give teachers and students actual experiences um, through the arts because they're so hands-on. They touch, you know, the whole child. They, they uh, work within all of our different senses. So it really focuses on giving kids experiences that they can use with a social emotional focus and really work on those skills in a much more hands-on way than, you know, discussion circles or looking through a list on a poster, like that, <laughs> that kind of thing. Can you give us an example of like an activity that you would have in that curriculum? Absolutely. So within SEAL, we have different methods of bringing in um, those types of creative strategies. Uh, one of them is um, called embedded strategies. So they're basically kind of, they become part of your classroom routine, really. Um, for example, um, we work a lot with like different movements movement activities. There's also um, dramatic check-ins where students, you know, you can check in with a student um, in a dramatic way and have them kind of dramatize how they're doing at any given point during a lesson, um, either with their face, their body, on paper, however it might be. And so those little simple things that you can do that really, truly don't take a lot of time because the idea is you um, embed it. It becomes part of just what you do as you're teaching um, and you use it consistently throughout your class time and your, in your school year and students um, respond just so well to it um, as they get used to being able to really um, use these creative strategies for certain things. So is your curriculum more focused on elementary? Can they use it in the middle school, in the high school? Yeah, it really is. I, what I love about SEAL and arts integration in general is it really works so well for all content levels and all grade levels. Um, what it really boils down to is the fact that the arts are so naturally differentiated that you know they meet you where you're at and then they can challenge you to go a little further. Um, and so the activities that are within the SEAL um, curriculum can, you know, there's many, many modifications because you know, some things that will work for elementary are not going to work for <laughs> middle or high school. Like certain movement activities that I can do with my third graders, there's no way I could have done it with seventh and eighth graders and beyond. But there are modifications and adaptations to just kind of make it work. So, um, so for example, with movement, you know, I, I can ask my students to get out of their seats and do some 
movement with me, you know, and they, they will for the most part, there's always outliers and we can talk about how to deal with that if you want. But, um, but if I was doing that in a middle school, they're not all going to stand up for me, but there are ways that you can do that. Like just understanding as the teacher, how important it is to do some movement for allowing the students to kind of get up and move. And so taking those little baby steps, you know, um, maybe they just start with moving while they're sitting or moving their hands or fingers as really, really small and, and, and doing it that way. Or it could be, um, incorporating in your activity, you know, the opportunity for them to actually get up and move across the room. Or maybe you do like an actual get up out of the classroom and do a walking break if you're, if your students need that. So um, there's definite ways to make it work um, throughout the grade levels. I like how you said that it meets the teacher where they're at and then can also challenge them. Yes. Our school just, um, we just finished our second year of this SEL curriculum that we got and I'll just be honest, it was horrendous. Um, oh, it was, I'm sorry to hear that. Um, it, there was a lot of, like you said, what would work for younger kids wouldn't work for older kids. Well, they had a lot of the, like what you would do with younger kids, but it was for our older kids. And it was just gotcha. so cheesy. And like, I know my kids would say it's cringy. Yeah, oh, totally. <laughs> <laughs> As, as a teacher, I don't even want to show this to you. Yes. And it was just so like, ugh. And then like as a teacher, if you feel gross teaching it, then your kids are not going to have buy-in for it. So right. that's nice that the teachers are, are able to just like go to where it feels natural and yes. not have it scripted. Yeah. And, and I got to tell you, still is built on the premise that the teacher knows their students the best. So handing a teacher a binder with lessons and saying, you've got to do these um, in order, you know, it, it just doesn't make sense to me, especially when we're talking about um, social emotional learning. And I really and truly believe that for one, you know, Teachers know their students best and they've got to be able to incorporate ideas and strategies and activities that really work for the students that are in front of them. And, you know, it can't be a scripted thing because SEL needs to be, well, the information should be maybe systematically addressed to the teacher so the teacher has some understanding. It really needs to be embedded in the lessons and in the classroom routines and that type of thing and how you know how the teacher you know forms her schedule and, and that kind of thing I think that's just so important to keep in mind as uh, as more and more schools are implementing social emotional learning into the into the classrooms right mm -hmm. and I think the whole reason they decided to go with this curriculum is because they wanted it like a a positive behavioral intervention thing where mm -hmm. if you're going with a PBIS strategy, it should be across the whole school the same. Yeah. And this is where I have such a problem with it because no teacher is the same. No student is the same. <laughs> and so it's just, it's so like, I understand what they're trying to say, but you can't give us like this cookie cutter 
recipe and expect everybody to be able to follow it. Like some people like to dump their ingredients in. some people don't like to follow a recipe at all, you know? <laughs> like, mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. It, it's sad when, when, um, it seems like we're getting further and further away from teacher autonomy in the classroom, right? And, and that's where the magic happens for students is when their teachers have a passion for what they're doing and, you know, want, have an investment in it too. Right. <laughs> right. right. That's a whole other conversation probably. <laughs> I feel like we could have many, many conversations. Yes, um, probably. But so one of the questions we wanted to, to ask you and talk about is stemming from these phrases and sentences and narratives that we hear so often from teachers and honestly parents who say they aren't good at something. So if we use like poetry for an example, they say that they aren't good at poetry, they don't like poetry, so they're not going to teach it. Mm -hmm. um, or if they do teach it, they have such a negative mindset that it ends up rubbing off on their students or their kids. And um, so I'm just wondering, what would you say to those teachers who just maybe don't feel qualified to teach an art area? Yeah. Or what would you say to the teacher who doesn't like a particular art form? Yeah, so that's, that's um, probably the number one um, objection or reason for a teacher not to just step out and, and try some things. And so, one one thing to consider is start with something that you enjoy right so for me it was music and i've you know i've had a many a lifetime of experiences and stuff like that but even someone who just likes to listen to music right bring in a song that you enjoy share that with your students build some relationships in that moment i mean that's just a nice way to get started right and then think about, you know, see how, how, how else can I bring music in? Or maybe, you know, you're someone who uh, likes to shake it down and you're okay with kind of making a little bit of a, you know, a new weird weirdness to your students. I know <laughs> you kind of had to, I remember having to do that in middle school. That's for sure when I was teaching those guys and, you know, and just breaking down that barrier that way. Um, but it also goes with, you know, what art form do you enjoy and bring a little bit of that in and it could be anything from you know storytelling cooking building just like all these different art forms are out there and just start by bringing a little bit of something that you enjoy because that passion and that joy is going to be um what lights up your your students eyes as well and then, so there's, that's one, one thing, you know, it's just where to kind of get your toe dipped into um, the idea of bringing arts into your classroom. But the other one is, is that you have to remember that you can't let your limitations limit your students and the possibilities that they have with working inside of, of their talents and their, their um, ideas and things like that. So for example, I am not a visual artist, <laughs> not a very good drawer, but I can't imagine not assigning some illustrations or some visual artwork for my students to do, or just giving them the opportunity to explore certain things with visual art because I'm not comfortable with it. And so I think that that's a huge um, 
huge uh, mindset block for many teachers is that, um, and, and people in general, really, if you don't understand something, you can't imagine how someone else would understand it. But as teachers, we have a real responsibility to be, to think, okay, well, I might not understand, but obviously this kid is pretty good at something. So let's see what he can do, you know? And so just really kind of opening up those opportunities for students is really um, a, a huge benefit to the students learning. It reminds me of, I had this kid in study hall who was just super squirrely unless he was like building something. And I'm like, okay, his grades are up, whatever. He would literally just go like rage my scrap bin and like grab the nails and start hammering and gluing random things together. And I'm like, I don't understand it, but dude, if it makes you happy, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. And you know, sometimes kids just need that. Yeah. And this was during awesome. call, So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like if it keeps you quiet, go ahead. <laughs> yep. And that's like his play, you know, yeah. with, with more adult toys, right. just like when he was three years old trying to play through some, you know, Legos and blocks and yep. stuff. So that's awesome. <laughs> so um, this is kind of a, I don't know that you have an answer for this, but I just wanted to <laughs> bring it up because yeah. I know that other shop teachers uh, struggle with this. And um, at my school, we used to and I think they changed it this year where my class was considered uh, art class basically so the kids could take art or they could take shop or they could take music and I think they may have taken that away this last year I didn't look uh. into it too much because it really didn't start affecting me last year I think I'm going to start feeling the effects coming up if they did change it uh -huh. so what happens is then okay well now all of the kids have to go take the art teachers classes and so that takes an elective away from them if they really didn't want to take that art class but they wanted to take another form of art do you have anything to say about that or like any ways around that or yeah I love I love that you asked that because first of all that is so ridiculous it's ridiculous I really I'm sorry that that's happening because um, to take that option away from students, it's like, you know, it, it's just like what I was saying, you know, why would you limit, you have the shop class, why would you limit mm -hmm. that from kids who could so very much benefit from it? Like the, the kid who's, you know, having a ball with nails and glue and just, you know, creating and, and experimenting with those materials. So, um, I think they, I think they really need to, uh, reassess that. That's my personal opinion on that. But, you know, that's where um, you really need to think about um, advocacy. And, you know, this is a, this is a big topic for all arts teachers and making sure that they're constantly advocating for their content and what a value it brings to the school, into the district, into the community. So, you know, for you know, like you think about music teachers and how they put on performances for the community. That's amazing for the school. And so I'm thinking that, you know, you need to start racking up an arsenal of stories <laughs> and photos and um, just oh, like, you know, 
I guess I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. Yeah, no. Clarify. And I should say, I don't think it's not my, we were, our school was given the option in the past to make it an art a class. And I think the state took that away from us. Oh, clarify. It's not, (laughs) it's not my school. It's my school. So yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, like I said, I don't know if there's an answer. I mean, aside from like really getting involved with legislature. (laughs) I know. And that's the thing. It's really, it's really hard. Cause like, I'm sure, you know, if, if we ever, end up talking about like boundaries and stuff you've got to know you know where your limits are in terms of what you're capable of doing and changing and all that but you know just it's really it's really a sad thing for them to not consider that an art form because it's you know not in the national core art standards because they have their four (laughs) their four major art forms and that's that but when I think about, you know, all the shop and the home ec courses that have been taken out from middle schools and high schools, and then, you know, those, those are also life skills that are just so important for students to be able to have the experience of and explore. Right. And, but yeah, I would still say get, get those kids and parent, you know, stories and <laughs> put it online or something. Cause, um, I know that many, many schools in the area where I am, they don't, they don't have those options either. Like mm-hmm. they don't have them, which is really sad. Mm. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of schools started when they started pushing college, they started taking away all of those extra fun classes, basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And now look, we how. We need so many yeah. people who know how to work with their hands. Mm-hmm. And um, I, yeah, it's really, it's, it's proving a deficit to society, I, I think, in the long run. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So switching gears just a little bit, um, I think that art integration is so important <laughs> and can really, you know, provide that authentic learning opportunity. Um, Saying that though, I've worked with far too many teachers who get super stressed out about test scores and worried Uh. about following their curriculum scripts to the T. Um, And so the first thing they do is to cut out those opportunities for creativity. And so I'm wondering how you respond to those teachers. Oh yeah, because I have been that teacher, right? I <laughs> I feel that stress and the pressure and and yeah, it's it's a it's a tough, tough thing for a teacher because there is so much importance and weight put on those test scores and the and the scripted curriculums and such. And so so there's a couple ways to think about this. One is the idea that true arts integration shouldn't be taking away time from your content. It should be enriching the content. And there is, you know, there is legwork that you need to do ahead of time. And, you know, it needs to be pretty well thought out and, and everything. But when it's done really well, all it does is make the content uh, learned in such a deep, deep way that it's so worth it. <laughs> And it, and it ends up not taking away the time, but just making that time more enriching for the students. Mm-hmm. And 
Then the other thing to think about also is that I'm going to go back to, you know, as teachers, we know what's best for our kids at any given moment. Um, and sometimes you just need to stop what you're doing and do a really fun, creative lesson with your students. Mm -hmm. And um, I did that um, just a couple months ago when we were doing our immigration um, through our language arts curriculum. Um, and, you know, it was talk about scripted, like scripted lessons. <laughs> read this page, talk about this, do this activity. And then finally I was like, I really, I, we can't do this right now. Like we needed something different. And so I um, pulled together um, a lesson that I had done in the past, which was um, not in the curriculum of this past year, but I had done it in the past and it was um, the students, you know, dramatically take on a persona of an immigrant. Um, they write a poem about their experience coming over on um, a boat, seeing the Statue of Liberty for the first time. We did some, um, so we did some poetry, we did some drama. We, I, you know, I had the students kind of like do some tableau poses as they're seeing the statue for the first time. And then we talked about the emotions and it really brought in SEL really well too. Um, and we spent, you know, just an afternoon doing that and then some residual, you know, making final copies and stuff like that. But they got so much out of it. And it was so, so needed <laughs> for all of us mm -hmm. involved to just get up, change things up a little bit. We're still learning the content, but we're getting to really understand the content a little bit better. So important. Yeah. Yeah. So sometimes you just need to stop and do what you know is right for the kids. <laughs> I really yeah. and truly believe that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. A large portion of our audience are homeschool families. Roberta was homeschooling her daughter for a little bit this year, most of the year. And then I'm just wondering how can a homeschool family use creative, social, emotional learning? Yeah. So what I, I love about SEAL, and I, and I said this in terms of for, you know, all different types of classroom teachers, but it's so true for all teachers. SEAL is really for anyone who just wants to incorporate the arts and creativity with some social emotional skill building, because it really just brings everything back to the experiences themselves. And so, um, you know, uh, homeschooling parents can pick from these amazing lessons that incorporate, you know, visual art with self-awareness um, and create that with their child and be able to talk about that with their child. And so it really is something that is truly um, flexible and um, yeah, flexible is the best word, malleable <laughs> to all, um, all different types of teaching and teaching situations mm -hmm. and schedules and all that kind of thing. So let's see, um, what are one or two creative ideas that teachers can use to help their students and maybe their entire classroom? Specifically when we were thinking about this upcoming, you know, school year about to start. Mm. Yeah. So I'll, uh, I'll share one of um, the still teachers favorites and that is soundtracking. And so basically what that is, is um, 
playing music, playing music in the background of your classroom, but really during the entire day. So we go into it so in so much detail and depth in, inside the courses. You know, what kind of music might you be playing when your students enter the classroom, when you're giving instructions or a lesson, when your students are working, and just creating that atmosphere with the types of music that you choose can really make such a difference to your students as they're working. Cool. I like that. Yeah, I did that when I was teaching second grade and we loved it so much and it brought like a, a sense of calm to the entire room. Yeah. Oh, yes. Just loved. So what is the best way then for our listeners to find more of your content to find your courses? Where where can they find you? Where, when what's the best way? Yeah, so I would um, send them to teach seal.com t-e-a-c-h-s-e-a-l.com and on that website there's all kinds of information and free resources um, about um, integrating the arts with social emotional learning i have a free workshop um, there and you can look at um, the seal courses that are available as well as long, as well as some like pdfs so like as the you know school year begins or even as the school year continues there's a resource about how to, you know, quickly build relationships with your students and, and all that kind of stuff. So there's a lot of great things for teachers um, on teachseal.com. We want to thank you guys so much for taking the time out of your day to listen to us chat about healthy family living. We would love to hear your thoughts or any ideas you have for future episodes. So feel free to message us at the teacher mamas podcast at gmail.com or the Teacher Mamas podcast on Instagram. It would also mean so much to us if you would leave a quick rating or review on whatever platform you're listening from. If something really stood out to you today, don't forget to share it with someone else in your life that might need to hear it too. Spread the word. Please don't forget to share with your online community and tag us. For more positivity and inspiration on how we navigate life and the things we do on a daily basis to stay sane in the crazy, don't forget to go follow each of us on Instagram. Check the show notes for our handles.